To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch buck? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new podcast for you. So today's episode is a touch different than my standard episodes. Um, it, it is just an authentic conversation. Uh, we do talk about hunting and the enjoyment of the hunt, but I have a controversial guest on today. So today I have on Mike from the IG page Making Hunting Great Again. Um, Mike, if you don't follow the page, he comes up with these clever memes and he calls out a lot of hypocrisy in the industry from companies to um, pro staffers to IG models, uh, you name it, he calls them out. So um, I don't agree with everything he says. I don't agree with all his antics and the way he goes about things. But I have to admit that I find his his page pretty hilarious. I love the the terms he comes up with, like Westy is hilarious. Um, so, you know, we just get on and have an authentic conversation. I, I never believe in silencing somebody's voice. I, I just want to have them on and have them share their point of view and have a good back and forth. And that's exactly what we did on this podcast. So you get to hear the man behind the page and, um, here's thoughts on things. So I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it too. The sponsor for today's show is Swagger. Uh, Swagger is a great company that, that builds, the, the best hunting bipods and shooting sticks in the industry. And I've, I've always believed that, that shooting a rifle, it comes down to your rest. And, and Swagger builds the best rests in the market. And so um, they build bipods that will mount to your rifle. Um, they're adjustable length. Uh, adjustable angle on them they're spring tension loaded it just allows you to track your target without any of that bipod hop it allows you to set up an uneven terrain if you're on a hillside shooting up shooting down uh, you know you can go different lengths on the legs it's easily and quickly adjustable um, they're just absolutely great bipods and they they actually gave me a set of their shooting sticks to give away on the podcast so um, I, I gave them away to uh, Mike from making hunting great again um, it was something he could use and so I gave him a set of uh, swagger shooting sticks for being on the podcast and I just uh, I can't thank these companies enough for giving me you know this this gear to be able to give away from these guys that you know put themselves out they take time away from their friends and family to record a podcast with me and uh, they never hold back any information it seems like everybody's sharing everything they know whether it's about mule deer hunting or whitetail hunting or whatever the case is they don't hold anything back and so i just really appreciate it uh, being able to give some of these things away to some of our guests that we have on so thanks a bunch to swagger if you guys are in the market for a, a new bipod, a new shooting sticks, new set of shooting sticks, make sure to check Swagger out. They they really do build the highest quality stuff in the industry, and, and it just flat out works. I use it for uh, my daughter's hunts, and, and it's just a, a game changer for them to be able to get steady on that target and execute good shots. Uh, my youngest daughter you know, harvested a, a deer again this year with them, and uh, I'm just so impressed by them. So uh, make sure to give them some love, and thanks to those guys for their support of the podcast. Over there at Eastman's, um, yeah, we're going to be getting together soon with those guys. Uh, we're going to do the Western Hunting Expo together, so I'm really looking forward to that. And Eastman's has a showing. Uh, 
they came up with a, a mule deer film, and so we're going to show this on Friday night at the expo in the, the conservation hall or conservation meeting um, and, and and show this, this video with all this great winter range footage from back in the day all the way up to current. And then Mike Eastman is in the film. Um, man, it's, it's going to be a really cool showing. I can't wait to see it myself. Um, and, and then it's going to be a full length film that, that comes out a little bit later. I think we're doing like nine or 10 minutes at the expo. And, uh, then I think the, the full length film will be 40 minutes. Um, Eastman's is donating all the proceeds to this for, um, Wyoming conservation. And it, it has to do with the migration patterns, whether that's overpasses or whether that's, um, tracking the migration routes, um, you know, whatever the, the mule deer foundation sees fit with that, but all the proceeds go to that. I, I just think it's such a great cause to help protect, uh, mule deer throughout the country and in Wyoming and, uh, such a great cause Eastman's is putting together. So if you're at the expo, uh, make sure to be on the lookout for that. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get some good podcasts there. I'm really excited. Um, we got some good ones lined up and, um, yeah, try to be on top of my game and get you guys some good recordings while I'm there. Um, also make sure to check out our internet TV show, Beyond the Grid. Um, Dan Picard and Guy Eastman run that and they just do a great job with it. So there's new episodes that drop every month. Um, and, and it's nice, you know, the, the internet TV show, you can just edit it a touch different than TV. You don't have to come back and forth from commercial breaks. Um, you can tell the story in its entirety. Uh, it doesn't have any length restrictions. And so it's a really cool format that Eastman's is just doing a great job with. Um, I watched a, a Guy Eastman's Mountain Lion Hunt. That one came out. That's a great episode. Makes me want to go hunt mountain lions with my bow and uh, get some dogs. I've never tried it, but it sure looks like an adventure. Um, so that's a great episode. You can watch, uh, uh, Brandon Mason, who's been on the podcast before he was hunting with his son Hunter a bunch this season. So there's a mule deer episode with his son Hunter that harvests a good buck on there. Um, just some great content. So make sure to check it out. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, uh, and then just search beyond the grid and, uh, it'll come up all the Eastman's films. Uh, also be on the lookout for Eastman's hunting TV on the outdoor channel. I had those couple episodes I was telling you guys about, uh, that one elk episode, and then uh, a half episode with um, Jason Antelope that was all self-filmed. I share that with uh, Brandon Mason as well. Um, so some good content out there. Make sure to check that out. And then also uh, the subscription to our magazines. Right now is application season, and I am studying all the statistics like a madman, trying to figure out where I'm going to put in. But our magazines, you know, along with, with great subscriber stories, I just read Tony Treach's story about his New Mexico mule deer. He's been on the podcast. We're going to get him on again. He's a great guest. But I read his article, and it's just so fun. You know, he talks about two failed stocks on that buck and then finally getting it done on the third stock. And you see guys like Tony that are consistently successful, and it may almost seem like they have magic behind their bow, but it, it really makes you... Um, you know, to, to see, to hear somebody else's shortcomings and failures and then, you know, to, to, to read as he prevails on, on this hunt on this great mule deer, it just makes it more human and more obtainable. And I just love reading those stories, you know, and along with that, 
um, great pro staff articles. Uh, you know, I'm always writing for him. I got some a great bear article coming up. Dan Picard does a superb job. Uh, we've had Aaron Snyder writing a bunch in there. So just some really good articles uh, that help you become a better Western hunter. So um, we've got our subscriptions. It's the Eastman's Hunting Journal, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. Again, this MRS section it, it just starts ramping up right now as we're all applying for, for different places. And the MRS does a, such a good job of uh, uh, giving you the right information, you know, whether it's um, uh, drawing odds, whether it's uh, uh, percentage of public land access. They do ratings, and it's all it, it's it's all updated every single year to be the most current information. You know, counties where Boone and Crockett's Pope and Young trophies come from, a difficulty of the hunt, crowdedness of the unit. They, they just go through and give so much information. And it really helps me get a feel for these other states and what they offer um, and look into each species. And so I can start making myself a plan to go take advantage of what these other states have to offer. So, it's an absolute deal. I've been paying for my subscription for years, um, and, and I really use it studying up on these different states. So uh, we're going to get a new uh, promo code for the podcast, but I believe the the old one will still work. So it's Elevated319. Um, punch that in, and uh, you can get both magazines for $29.99 for an entire year. So that's 12 issues, six of the Bow Hunting Journal, six of the Eastman's Hunting Journal, uh, again, $29.99. So enter that code, and um, you should be good to go, and uh, we'll be working on a new code for you as well. So with that, let's get into this controversial podcast. So uh, it's a it's a good conversation. So Mike from Making Hunting Great Again, I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Man, I can't believe you came on a, a Westie podcast. You know that I'm five seven and wear Sitka, and uh, let's see what other stereotypes that I do I uh, fit. Um, You're def- a runner. You're yeah, a runner. There you go. <laughs> oh, it's so funny, Mike. Your page is hilarious. Making hunting great again. I mean, I like to think so, but I think opinions vary for certain Western uh, Western hunting figures, and I guess some people in the South too, because I give them a hard time as well. But uh, well, that's good. Yeah, you give it to to everybody equally. I try, I try, and I'll poke fun at myself too. You know what I mean? Like if I if I do a meme of my like my opinions, it's usually a very obese guy, you know, sitting on a couch smoking a cigarette. So like I, I can be, you know, and I don't smoke, but you know, I can usually dish it out as good as I can take it. Yeah, no, you've got a good sense of humor. Yeah, we um, connected before the podcast and just talking a little bit, and you're right. Um, y- your humor, you make fun of yourself far more than anybody else. I, tr- I try to, and you like, I think a lot of it is, and, and I'm sure that you're aware that, you know, like, um, you know, like either hunting camp or just with your buddies, or I know you were construction before, like, it's kind of just, you know, like, I just grew up in a, like, around people that you always busted each other's balls. So you had to have, you know, thick skin no matter what. You know what I mean? So it, that, that's just how I look at it. You know, like I'm just as guilty as some of the stuff that, that, that I'll make fun of others about. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, or was previously and, you know, learn from that experience. So, I mean, we're, nobody's perfect. And, and to have that ego that, you know, like everything I say is 100 percent the way it should be. I, like nobody should have that. You know what I mean? Or, or, or be upset if somebody calls you out on, you know a varying opinion or what whatnot you know yeah it's a good attitude to have right if you dish it out you got to be able to take it too 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I'm not blocking people in my comments for being, you know, for, for giving me shit about being tall and fat and bald. You know what I mean? So, um, man, what is this <laughs> new world we're living in? This is so wild. And I don't know your age, but I'm like, I'm like 39. So I grew up without the internet and the internet and social media has brought like a lot of good things to the table too. Like you used to, you know, conventional way to make it in any industry is you had to go through corporate and, you know, you had to get on um, standard TV or standard radio. But now in this new age, you know, with social media and podcasts, you know, you can self-promote, which, which is a good thing that you can make a name for yourself. And um, but but it's also, you know, with the good comes the bad, too. And I think you're pretty good at calling out the bad. Yeah. And I, I think um and I'm sure a few people snuck through the cracks back in the day, but I think a lot of it was is, is you used to have to almost pay your dues. And I know that's – and that can be hit or miss just because, you know, you could get somebody in, in – you know, there's fewer companies, there's fewer people doing it. But, you know, you had to pay your dues. Like like I'm sure you started by – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it, was it just contributing articles and just sending them out there to see, you know, to kind of see what got picked up yep. or, or, you know, or sharing that? And then even, you know, early – I can remember like buddies that were trying to do TV shows here in Iowa before it got to be the thing that everybody did. But, um, you know, you'd have to sell film and then you'd send it, you'd have to go meet with companies and then you'd have to get enough money raised up to get a TV show, you know, to, to pay, I don't know what outdoor channel is now, but I think it was like a hundred thousand is what you had to pay them to be on TV. You know what I mean? And, um, crazy. I think it's a couple hundred thousand now. Is it now? Well, hey, they got for lover likes on there, so it's you know it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely top tier. It, it turned into MTV from from outdoor channel to uh to let's put uh you know, um some people in Louisiana have them shoot high fence buck. So that's what you know. But that comes at a cost. <laughs> that sounds bad, but uh, but it, but like you said, like you everyone had to pay their dues, and I think that's why like me growing up, like we all we had to watch was Monster Bucks or. Um, I think what oh, I can't think of the name of the um, the other one, but it was just you know you remember the old VHS tapes? Yeah, Realtree, Primos, yep. yep, all those. Yep, exactly. And so you get those, and you just watch them over and over again. And then um, and then then the outdoor channel, and, and obviously that's been good for a lot of people's careers, and and um, it's good for like especially here in the Midwest, it's been good for like the like the QDM like quality deer management and just like you know like passing on younger gear and, and all that all that stuff but it's just the social media has created and i this is going to probably sound like it's created some monsters where there's no checks and balances there's not there's no um what's the word i'm looking for you know what i mean like you don't have the resume to be discussing what you're discussing is that like does that make sense yeah that's you know a good I mean? way I don't to know, put it i don't it, know Mike. if i worded it properly but like something like like I'm sure there's a better way. I'm not a writer. You know that. So okay. <laughs> No, I, I think you stated it well. I think you're right. Like you used to have to pay your dues and go through the right channels. And I know like my own journey you mentioned like, man, I mean I had to build this thing brick by brick and like do so much work for free and send so many articles out to so many different places, you know, and then finally get published a few times and then finally, you know, able to – to get a staff writing job and, you know, able to pick up a couple companies that believed enough in me to support me, you know, but man, it has been a long, it's been 15 years of working at it to get to where I am. So you're right. There were more, um, you know, that it was more stringent, but that didn't always mean that the best hunters got the best spots or the best TV spots either, you know? So it right. was tough to get noticed as just a good Western hunter where, you know, now, 
you know, you can self-promote and you can build yourself up if you go about it the right way. But people want that instant fame, that instant success. And and so, you know, they just want everything too quick, it seems like. And so on social media, you know, they they almost start pretending somebody they're they're, they're not or, or, you know, um, at least that's the way I kind of see it. So the good with the bad, I think. Right, right. And, and I like I think you totally nailed it is like the persona and they want it all like right now. And, and so it's more of them creating their own. And this is going to set, I think I post on it, but like a lot of the stuff anymore, like the, the, they share their stories and their YouTube videos. It's always like front or like the selfie mode on the camera. And it's like, you're, you're filming your own reality show, you know, based on what you're doing. It's like, no one's willing to anymore. It doesn't seem like, you know, like what, what you do when you got hired at Eastman's like, that had to be one of the best days ever. Just be, you know what I mean? Like, yep, best because day ever. It's a, yeah. Cause it's a well reputed like company. Like even people here in BFE, Iowa, you know, we're like, we've had internet for a while. So I don't want to sound like <laughs> we're, we're like that, like that backwards, you know, I've been to Wyoming. I know how backwards it can get out there, but, uh, but, uh, like we've heard of Eastman's like, it's still on, like, you know what I mean? Like my dad read it back in the day. It like, and all those like well-known, magazines and and publications and stuff like that is a lot of people it's probably getting to be hard for them and like for for you guys to find quality writers because everybody wants to be the star of their own show and nobody nobody's willing to be the fourth face of the brand you know what i mean they want their own brand because they want their own attention and they're going to build their their own narrative of what what they've done and how they're you know able to do it and unfortunately a lot of that anymore is just it's going to sound bad, but a lot of it's just guided hunts anymore. You know what I mean? Like to where, and I'm sure you guys go on guided hunts and I'm not, I'm not knocking guided hunts out West because I'm sure some areas you have to have them number one, but it's like, it's not the same as the guys that have been grinding for years, learning the ins and outs of, you know, they can go in or be somewhat successful. You know what I mean? Like, I, like I think that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, you know what I mean? Like you we're, hit we're, the nail on the head. That's yeah, exactly okay. right. Like, um, yeah, there's shortcuts to it. Yeah, you can just pay your way through it. You can get on some of the best hunting ground for the best species, and all of a sudden you got a great TV show. You know, it's um, so so it it is in. And I like what you said earlier that there's no checks and balances nowadays with the social media. Or there isn't much. I think you're part of the checks and balances to call people oh, out. <laughs> but almost, um, almost, yeah. But you're yeah. right. Like I grew up in in high school and in wrestling on the construction site, where if you were an idiot, man, you got called out like immediately. You know. Um, immediately. And, and so, immediately. and so yeah. it seems like nowadays there there's just um. You know, uh, people can avoid the negativity or I don't want to say, um, you know, and I'm not a big negativity guy and I don't feed into it too much and I don't get too worked up about um, that that many initiatives or, I, you know, deals. But, you know, in that same breath, like, um, you know, there's just nobody keeping these people in check and some of the things they're doing that that just shows hunting in such a bad light and shows, um, you know, shows what we love to do in a bad light. And like you say, that selfie look and. And like, uh, like everybody's the star of their own reality show is what you said, but are they really enjoying it? You know, I find myself like when I'm on social media, when I'm, when I have to be in touch, like I like doing a few things here and there, but I like to disconnect from it. I like to go have my own experience and go have an adventure. So I wonder how much they're really enjoying of it too. Right, right. Exactly. And is there only enjoyment coming from the likes or 
Like, you know what I mean? It's not like if, to me, if you're filming in selfie mode and like, I think one of the big shed hunters out there said that a lot of guys will film it and then record it and then post it later. And it's like, you're walking through, you know, some of the most beautiful country on earth. You know what I mean? And I'll say that I'm from Iowa. We have cornfields and like seven hills. You know what I mean? But like, you guys, like everything is different. Like you can essentially be in, in, in some of it, but like you can be on ground that like very few people have ever touched. You know what I mean? Like, especially if you get off the paths or get lost, you know what I mean? But, uh, but in your, and there's people in, you know, filming in selfie mode, trying to update their followers on YouTube or Instagram. It's like, you're like that to me, that's not a connection with, with like, or you're, you're somewhat disconnecting yourself from the hunt number one, or if you're shed hunting or scouting or, you know what I mean? Like if you're staring at your phone recording, that's, that's eyes that you have that you're taking off what's in front of you. You know what I mean? Your peripherals, exact, you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. And, and it's all for content and it's all for likes. It's, you know, they're never teaching anybody anything, you know? So it just, it's just as it, it gets to be like, yeah, I would say checks and balances, almost a policing effect, but anymore, <laughs> if you, if you speak out, like it's not, it's not just simply criticism, you know, like it's, I'm a bully and like, you know what I mean? Like I'm obviously jealous or that's the biggest thing I get. Like, well, you're just jealous of, and I'm like, they have nothing that I want. Like, that's not a lifestyle I want to live. You know, like, I don't want to have, like, my girlfriend filming me in the front yard shooting bows telling people, you know what I mean? Or, like, <laughs> or like having a, a guy dump water over my head while I shoot just to prepare for a rainstorm. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not me, you know? And and there, and there are a few good guys that, that, will, that will do it just for teaching. You know what I mean? Like, and that's cool. And I get that, but it's not, they're also not doing it every day and they're not laying in bed talking to people on Instagram. Like they're real fans. Like, you know what I mean? Like a lot of these people, if they disappeared, who would remember them in 30 days? Like as bad as that sounds, but you know, uh, I do know, um, everybody wants to be the star of their own show for sure. And you know, I, I, I think through social media, I think it's amazing. One person follows what I do, you know, uh, you know, not to mention a hundred or, you know, I've got a few thousand now that follow what I do. Like, that's amazing to have that many people that are even interested in what you're doing is amazing. But you just have to be honest and authentic. And I think that's why your page does so well. I, I think that's why my podcast and I do so well. It's just because I'm honest and authentic. And I think everything on your page, like you may go about it a different way than I would. And sometimes you call some people out. Um, but I also think that everything you say is truthful. You're not trying to mislead anybody. All you say is facts. And I've also seen you post positive on that page too. Things that you like or things that you see in the hunting industry that, that you appreciate. Um, you know, I also see you post about that. So I don't think you're all bad. I mean, I like <laughs> to tell people is like, don't, you know, if, if you're going to judge me based on what I do online compared to like, I would rather be a great person in real life and help friends and family and take care of that and be the, like, and like you said, I like, I try to be honest. Like that's a big stick. You know what I mean? There's enough liars online that I don't need to be that guy. And I, you know, you hear a lot of information about people. I'm like, I can't, I can't post a lot of stuff that I hear just because a, I don't, I don't have anything to back it up. You know what I mean? And I'm not just going to throw, you know, allegations and stuff out there, unless it's been, you know, posted or it's online or it's in the court system, you know, as far as calling out poachers. But even then, like, um, I think in this, like, I get a lot of heat for being like sexist and stuff. And I'm like, first of all, like I, my grandma hunted until she was in her seventies. Like I have no issues with women. I have no issues with women hunters. 
Like I have issues with people taking advantage of a system where cleavage and, you know, et cetera, puts you ahead of actual, like of killers. You know what I mean? And I'm, you've been around the, the females in the industry that are like, that can, you know what I mean? That can keep up with you. That can, some of them are even, you know, are better than most guys. They just don't get the credit because a, they don't look like supermodels probably. And there's a few really good looking girl women. And I'm not like, we're not going to have that conversation, but uh, you know what I mean? Like it's not these, these people that are, um, that are promoting themselves more than they're promoting their, promoting their craft are taking away more attention from the people that are like the females or even the men that are running the outfits. So you get, you, who puts in harder work than the outfitter? You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, you know, in that aspect that then you have these people that just take advantage of it. So like I even did, I think it was last month, maybe before Christmas, I did a post about like females in the industry. Like I had people recommend, you know, like the top ones that they really liked. And I tried to do that just so I could give, cause I have a decent amount of female followers too. Um, some of it's a little too much for them probably, but, um, I think it's good to promote that aspect of it too. You know what I mean? Like promote those. And I got to do more of that. Like, cause a lot of people will ask me like, well, what's your, you know, who's someone to look up to in the industry and stuff like that. I probably need to dive deep dive into that more instead of just getting caught up in the negative stuff all the time. But a lot of times, like some of the stuff I just can't, like my DMS just, just from a lot of the like pictures and stuff I get are sent in and then I'll just create a meme from them or, or just post it exactly how they had it and give credit to them. But like there's stuff that I get in the DMs that I can never share on the page. You know what I mean? That would blow people's mind. You know what I mean? So uh, like uh, you had mentioned uh, that you get stuff that you can't post that isn't backed by fact and that uh, some of the memes uh, you can't post because they're um, uh, uh, probably uh, too much for Instagram. Like what's an example of one of those? Uh, okay. okay. Well, I don't, I, I don't want to get you in trouble for having, but have you like there's memes where they have like screenshots of like adult videos and it'll be like a chick saying like, oh, gosh, oh my god or like something and they'll be hilarious and I'll laugh at them, you know what I mean? But I'm like I cannot share that because I'm not promoting porn on this page, you know what I mean? Or like or it's adult videos of two guys and they're like, hey, it's a <laughs> this is these are the founders of a popular supplement company, etc. You know what I mean? So. We'll just leave it. I'll try not to name. I'll try not to uh, say specifics, but <laughs> oh, oh, that's good stuff. Oh, um. Well, yeah, I I think you're I think you're right in what you're stating, and and I try really hard on the podcast. Like, I want those legit women on that are killers, you know. And so, mm-hmm. um, and and I haven't had enough women on the podcast. I got one. Um, I have one lined up for uh, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, this gal Alicia, that's just a killer. It'll be a really fun one. But but I'm with you. Um, you know that a lot of these Instagram of, uh, accounts with these with these women on it that that aren't hunters, you know, it's um, it it's not right that they get to blow by the whole hunting industry and get to succeed more than everybody else without ever being called on it, you know, and 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 to some of these companies that support those girls, you know, that don't have the hunting skill, they don't have anything to add to the hunting community. There, that was just their avenue to get famous. It was like, they're really pretty and they, you know, so all of a sudden they're going to be a hunter so they can be famous because it's like this, you know, this, um, you know, this small skew of the population, you know, where all of a sudden a guy sees a, 
a really hot chick in camo and all of a sudden hits the follow button and then all those follow buttons add up and then those companies pay attention and pretty soon these companies are supporting the wrong people to represent you know their company and I don't think it always reflects good on, upon them so I, I think you policing um, you know and, and calling them out you know not not for the average girl that's trying to be a hunter that's trying to learn but yeah some of these ones um, uh, are, are a little outrageous for sure. Oh, for sure. And like, just, uh, and I had two examples, but I have one for sure. But it's like recently got hired, sponsored by um, a popular, uh, I'm going to do my best to leave names out, but uh, a popular uh, uh, clothing brand out of the Pacific Northwest, um, a popular uh, art or bow producer and arrow producer. Um, I'm not, not going to even say the state. They'll figure it out. But we t- went on a antelope hunt, and on her 12th arrow that she shot, killed one, but she had to put two arrows in it. And I'm just like, this. it just got hired by one of your guys' competition. And I think I did a post on it, so I think people will figure it out. But, um, but it's like, how is that someone you want representing your company? You know what I mean? And I hit a huge buck this year. And um, – and I didn't didn't recover him, couldn't find him, and I hung up my bow. You know, and I'm not saying it's different out there. I understand that. You know what I mean? Like you guys have an opportunity. It's a different, you know, a whole different monster. But it's like if you're wounding that many deer, number one, on most outfitters, if you if you draw blood, you're done, right? Like I think that's pretty much. I hear that a lot anyway. Mm-hmm. But but if you're shooting that many times at an animal, in, in in your range that you feel comfortable shooting, obviously, like maybe it's time to hang it up and just admit the failure of where you're at and say, I'm not ready. You know what I mean? You can always get better, but like you shouldn't be a spokesman for a reputable company. If you're unable to, you know what I mean? Like if, if you can't close the disc and that, don't get me wrong. I've never hunted antelope. I understand they're pretty, uh, they'll jump the string pretty good. And, but I also know, you know what I mean? Like if it was me after the second time I missed or I drew blood, I'd be done. You know what I mean? Like, there's just a lot, like the self-awareness aspect of it. And then the brands that continue to support them. It's just like, there are better options for, for your, you know, for your sponsorship money than that. And, and let's be honest, like everyone always says on my page are like, well, sex sells, sex sells. I'm like, when has any, but like maybe, maybe for the guys that hunt once a week, you know, once a year during gun season or whatever, maybe they'll click through and buy a product. But I don't know any guys that have, and, and I, I run with like, I, you hear this a lot, but like, especially, but I, like I run with killers, like guys that hunt and kill a lot of animals, you know what I mean? And it's, they've never once been like, Hey, I saw this girl posting with this new arrow or like shooting this arrow. So I went and bought it. Like that click through rate can't be there. You know what I mean? Like they can't be getting a, the return on their investment. It can't right. be positive for their business. I just don't know how the marketing falls into that. Right. Right. Exactly. Like that's exactly the, like, and I'm not. I'm not good enough on Instagram and I'm not definitely not like a market, like a, I, I mean, I was three credits away from a marketing minor, but that was before Instagram. So, um, so I don't know, like, I'm not sure what sort of analytics they have to, to produce that. Basically what they're doing is, well, we'll get it in front of more people's eyes, but it's like, at some point you're not, you're still not providing quality content or, you know, quality reviews. Like, okay, this is a person that's shooting your bow side, but they missed 12 times. You know what I mean? Like, is that really how you want your company represented? 
No, and um, <laughs> you know things can go wrong. Just like you, I like how you mentioned your whitetail this year. Like you know, stuff can happen with a bow and arrow for sure, and uh, misses happen. But yeah, twelve times on one hunt. Like um, there there has to be some ethics and uh, uh, that come into play during that. And 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 two, it's just not what. I, I don't see where you would want to promote that for those companies. So it is a bit ridiculous, um, you know, watching that happen. And I, I also think that's why your page has picked up steam as well, as there's a lot of us average guys out there that, you know, have our followers in the hundreds or, you know, and and uh, we just like to, to be out and we like to bow hunt. And maybe we're successful here and there. And all of a sudden you see, you know, these chicks that, that – or, or these girls that, that don't have the skill set or and they're just put you know they're just skyrocketed in the hunting industry and all of a sudden they're getting all the free stuff that they can can handle and uh, money their way and so that, that there definitely needs to be a correction there but you know I, I think things are gonna work their way out you know both in the hunting industry and in the real world like I think that's all gonna shake out and they'll there'll always be some popularity be you know for a pretty girl but i don't know that we'll be looking to them for our arrow choices in the future right right and and and, and just so people aren't being like well mike and brian were just bashing women like there are some well-known men in the industry that aren't any better you know what i mean maybe they have a fitness page and they hunt and they get deals from you know supplement companies and stuff and i could i could go on a rant like a list of like there's a guy uh, and don't take offense to this, Brian, but there's a small gentleman in uh, Nebraska <laughs> that has a fitness page. But it was like prior to that, he shot and killed one buck and a couple does. And it's like, oh, hashtag venison gains. It's like, no, you don't. You haven't even shot enough to eat all year. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're not getting gains from that. You know, like whereas there's you know 20 year old kids here in Iowa that have shot you know multiple buck or not multiple, but probably two or three over 160. You know, which is pretty big for my area in Iowa. And, like, and they can go out and set up the tree stands that are always, you know, they're going to be successful year after year. You know what I mean? And then it's like, okay, well, you, because this guy has this stupid hashtag in this page and buddies, buddies, or his buddy, buddy with some of the other guys that I, I would consider, you know, well, I'll probably tr- try to leave the names out of it. But uh, there's a few guys, and you know, as well as I do, we won't get into that aspect. There's some counterfeit human beings that are pushing stuff they definitely shouldn't be pushing and it's like oh well these loophole optics are the best ones that i've ever picked up and etc and i'm like loopholes work great from the midwest you know what i mean and, and don't get me wrong i'm not a glass expert but when you repeatedly see the reviews and loopholes number three or four on the list and not number two is like well that guy's full of shit you know what i mean like you, you ruin your name by saying that and i think i did a post on that a couple of years ago so like people can figure it out i uh, know i think i think you're right we're um not not bashing women at all like i had two daughters i've got a house full of girls so i gotta be careful what i say but uh no i've got two daughters i've got a wife they all hunt and then you know i've got a bunch of friends in the industries chicks that are absolute killers and i know you made that post about girls but like, uh, there's some girls that I really respect out there that just consistently get it done, and I think they have a tougher road to success than us guys for sure. And, and I think there's a lot of girls that are coming up that are doing it the right way, learning the right way, and and posting about 
you know, their growth as a person, their growth as a hunter. And I think that's all great. Like you say, we're talking the far ends of the spectrum. We're talking that end of the right. spectrum, you know, where where they are, you know, shooting 12 arrows at an antelope or they are, you know, companies are representing them when they don't, you know, they don't have the, the hunting background to support that or to offer anything to the hunting community. So I think you're right. And I think in some cases, uh, just like you're stating, I think those guys can almost be worse. Um Man, there's a lot of guys that are really into themselves. And by the way, we are all laughing hysterically at the Westie. I can't believe you don't have a Westie t-shirt out there. I think we should do a collab, me and you, for a Westie t-shirt. Dude, I think we would sell that. I would wear that all over the West. Dude, that is the biggest joke going. Like, um, you should see how hard we laugh in the Eastman's office when we get together over some of those memes and jokes. And um, But the Westie... I, I'm not sure if you coined that or not, but boy, oh, that is a my, great that saying. Is 100, that's 100 percent me. <laughs> if anybody ever tries to take that, I don't know. I don't have it copyrighted because. But oh, you know that the, is so funny. And then, like the funniest part was is like when the page first started, like way back. I think it was like three years ago. It was just something to where like, and here's a whole story of the page. Like, I used to comment on. I tag my one of my like really good friends on Instagram. I tag him on people's posts and write my own captions for him. You know, like they're standing on a mountain and they're in nothing but their spandex and a sports bra holding a bow. And I just, I just write something stupid. Well, it was like Christmas, I think three years ago. And he's like, dude, I made this account for you. Here's the password. I'm handing it over to you. Just start posting names. And so we're like, we're a year in and we don't even have a hundred followers, you know? And then that was like three years ago. And then it just started gaining momentum. We're like, wow, like people actually like this stuff. You know what I mean? But I knew nothing about Western hunting. Like it was, and, and I would give, you know, make, make fun of like the sparkly pants and all that jazz, you know, and like flat bills and stuff. But, <laughs> That's right. Like, I remember that too. <laughs> yeah. And so then it's like slowly, but surely like we get these guys from Oregon or, um, um, not a little bit of Utah, but Utah guys have backed off a little bit, but, uh, and I think everybody makes fun of Utah guys. So I, I'm in, I'm in the club there, but, um, but they would like, they'd be like, well, you guys don't know anything. You just hunt over feeders and all this stuff. And so then I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to get you a post about, um, how stupid blacktails are just to get them fired up. You know what I mean? Like, just, Oh, they're just really little white tails or really little muleys. And just to fire them up. Cause I knew like I could trigger them so easy. <laughs> so then it was like, so that's when the Westie started is like, like, because they're just these, and I just, I have in my head is like the prototypical flat bill with the cutoff shirt with their, you know, with their nips showing and they're standing in jeans with boots. You know what I mean? Like small and class. buff too. You got to put that yeah, in there too. Right. Yeah, just doing nothing but curls in the gym and, and bench press. <laughs> and, um, and like, and, and it was just like, yeah, you know, I was laughing so hard because like everyone can imagine it now. And I used to do posts where I would just screenshot pictures of wet, you know, like Westies and put them all together and be like, like who's number one or whatever, you know, and half of them are from Utah. So maybe I give the whole West a bad name because of Utah, but I think, I think everybody makes fun of Utah though. So that's fair. But, uh, oh, but that um, is the best coin phrase. I love that. It's gotta be on the front of a t-shirt. I know. I know. And like, we used to do merch and or had we had T-shirts and everybody was like, "Oh, you're a you're a sellout and like I can't believe you're doing this. You're doing exactly like what what you um what you uh like make fun of and all like all this stuff." I'm like, guys, like I spend a lot of time and energy. Like not as much as I I probably don't spend as much as I should. I I mean I could do better if I spent more time, but like um like and then we got the page shut down by Instagram because somebody got really upset with us. And so then we had to hire a lawyer to get it back in. So I'm like, we may, maybe we should do merch again. 
But I think West, yeah, I think Westy definitely needs to roll out again because oh. I think that'd be a popular shirt. Oh yeah, oh, launch some merch. Yeah, I'll team up with you for sure on that Westy shirt. I think that's a great idea. Yes. But yeah, yeah, you get your page shut down quite a bit. It's amazing the power that some of these companies and people have um, just by a little post or a little beam. And and nobody likes to be called out or um, you know, all of us have a little bit of a fragile ego here and there. You know, we don't all like negativity, but boy, to get pages shut down and and people like you say get so triggered and upset nowadays like i i don't if i got something negative about me like i just ignore it i just don't get into it but i guess everybody handles it different right right and and i'm pretty sure i haven't narrowed down to who it was just based on the posts that came out like immediately after that you know like oh sometimes you lions have to remind everybody who you know that jazz that like i think tom brady just did a um just did a hype video on the same saying or whatever. And I'm just like, you're not a lot, like you're not an alpha male, male or a line. If you're getting upset from an Instagram page, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's not, that's not how you like that. There's nothing, nothing says alpha about getting the Instagram page shut down. Like that just means you get offended very easily. You know, so. oh, alpha. That's great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Well, and I think you're shadow banned right now. I went to look for your page today and couldn't find it. Like, it's still up, right? Yeah, yep, still up. And if um, if everybody needs to find it, they might have to follow the backup page, which I think is just like 2.0, like making down a great again 2.0. And then I have a link in there. But I've had a lot of people, um, like the last few weeks, even I would say last month even, that have been like, hey, did your page get shut down? They'd message the backup. And I'd be like, no, like, it's, it's still there. You know, I think... Um, that's just some Instagram and maybe we haven't had anything. I mean, we've been up for the last year and a half and haven't gotten shut, shut down, like completely just like page gone. Um, like we did for about three months, a couple of years ago. But, um, but I know now if you just type it in the search, I don't even, yeah, like you said, I don't even know if it comes up anymore, um, for that. And, and especially even if you like, if you're following the page, um, if you, if you just click on your pages, you're following, I don't even think it populates in that either. So that's probably just some Instagram stuff. And like, like I said, we haven't been reported or had anything for bullying forever, which we probably will. Now that I said, I just jinxed it, but, um, uh, but, uh, like, yeah, but Instagram has ways of shutting down and, and everybody will report stuff for bullying or harassment and all that jazz. It's like, there's no legal precedent for that. Like if I post something, that is directed at someone like it's not sl- slander or libel. Unfortunately, I have had to become a like a junkyard internet lawyer because of the page. So I know I know what boundaries I can push. You know what I mean? So um, regardless of what anybody says, I'm doing nothing illegal. So the one's gonna put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, and uh, you know the the page, like I say, uh, everything is truthful on there, and it doesn't seem, you know, you make a post about somebody, but it doesn't seem like you really go after him time and time again. Right, and and I think for a while, and this, I think there's been times where I've been caught up in it too, you know, where I'm like, okay, well, I, like I'm going hard on this guy, and maybe I need to chill or. Or somebody will message me and be like, dude, take a break from that. You know what I mean? Like, cause I'll dive deep dive into stuff. I just have that personality. And so there, there will be a few people, um, that will be repeat offenders, I guess, on the page. And, and sometimes I'll get carried away. You know, I'm human. And, uh, but for the most part, I, like, I've never just can continuously post about the same person 
seven times in a row. You know what I mean? So, um, but I'll space it out. There's definitely a few a few repeat offenders on there, but um, but they deserve it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, definitely policing the western uh, or the hunting industry in general. Um, but yeah, you made it out west to hunt. We were talking before the podcast. You made it out for an elk hunt, huh? Yeah, yeah, we were unsuccessful, but I think that's part of the average on your first hunt. But uh, yeah, we were in uh, western Wyoming, and um, you know, for being and I'm six six, I was probably three hundred and eight pounds when I was out there, and so um, it wasn't so much the walking that got me. It was like we we had talked before about the elevation, and um, just didn't really. I mean, it was a beautiful country. And it rained and snowed, and so we got a little bit of everything um, as that goes. But um, it's just a completely different style than I'm used to. You know what I mean? Like, it, it would be different for you guys to come and hunt Midwest tree stands on 200 acres. You know what I mean? Like, um, so it was, it was good, and I think, like, it's a good balance between, like, the style of hunting that we do here and then going out there. And it's a whole different skill set you have to learn. So it's definitely definitely was a good challenge that way. But also, we were not prepared – uh, for, uh, like we talked onyx maps and, and reading the topos and, um, having a, a good understanding of how far we could actually get <laughs> out there in the mountains and how high we could get. So it was a learning experience where we had a good time. Yeah. Good on you guys. Yeah. That's what it's all about and enjoying it too. And I've been out, um, I've been out to the Midwest. I've been out to Ohio hunting whitetails out there on those smaller farms like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, it's, it's wild. Like, like, like everything has a challenge to it those whitetails you guys hunt uh they're so smart in small tracts of land you know it's like amazing they can live on a little farmhouse piece behind the farmhouse or behind a trailer whatever and they can live there for five six seven years and hardly ever be seen and they just run such tight programs and then like here um i actually uh uh eastman's is based out of wyoming i'm actually over in montana i work remotely from montana but around montana montana i'm I'm not really real well liked in Bozeman, but I bet not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm south of Bozeman. I'm in a little small community. I live in a great place like Ennis, Montana, a thousand people as far as residents surrounded by mountains and a a great river to fish like a blue ribbon trout stream. So I'm really fortunate. I live in a great place. But my point is, is that all these whitetails, they get concentrated down in the river bottoms. So hunting them in Montana you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of deer. They're all in the river bottoms. There's nothing out in the mountains or the foothills or any place. So hunting them is a lot easier. But when I get over to Ohio, man, oh, man, like it's all just rolling farm country, every bit of it, you know. And then there's these tracks of hardwoods in there. And, and then you're just trying to make sense of it. But, gosh, it was day after day of all-day sits, man. It tested my patience. It tested my sanity. And then I was always sitting in the wrong place. I was always, you know, I'd be sitting on one farm, and the buck would come to the other farm or whatever. I was just constantly second-guessing and making the wrong decision. But it was a really fun, like, chess match with those deer. I also came home empty-handed like you did for elk, or you and your buddy did. I I don't think you had the tag, but... um, Yeah, I I didn't have the tag. We did but we didn't we didn't get one i'm the same way i ate my tag i chased a really good buck and then you know my buddy ended up harvesting later after i left um and i don't know how many days he had into hunting that deer but it's a real chess match and it gave me a real respect for hunting whitetails you know and just relating to the rest of the country because the majority of hunters in this country are hunting whitetails Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think 
Um, I talked to in just interactions through the page and stuff. Is I, and I think um, maybe for some of your listeners that have never, you know, they all they see is what's on the TV shows. You know what I mean? And 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 that can be. And I don't want to say misleading, but they're like if you're hunting a specific buck. Let's just say like a lot of the sections where I live in Iowa, one mile by one mile. You know what I mean? And and in that one mile uh, square or one square mile, there could be 13 different landowners and. So if you may have permission on one corner and that that's that mid, let's just say that one mile track is that buck's home range, which normally isn't the case. They'll go pretty much anywhere they want, but they're always in the same area. Um, but like you said, like it's, it's a chess match to try and figure out where he's going to be what day. And the window for success is so small, unless you can pattern, you can, and you can pattern them early season with the trail cameras, but you just have to be in that, in that tree on the right day with the right wind when he just happens to be cruising by, you know what I mean? Like it's, there's no spot in stock. There's no chasing them. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to spot them from the road and go in on them. And and people have done it. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like the success rate of that's very low, you know, it's not um, set up that way. And I learned that coming from the West over there. Of course you mm -hmm. bring all these ideas with you and I've stalked whitetails successfully here in Montana and killed a bunch of them, but you get out there, that's just not the game. And and you don't want to chase them off that that farm or that small track that you're hunting. You don't want to chase them uh, out of there forever where you never have a chance at them. And dude, just because they come walking by, that doesn't mean that you're going to kill them either. Like up in that tree stand, you think you're elevated. You think those deer walk by, you're just going to draw and put a 20-yard shot on them. That is not the case. Those whitetails, man, those things are switched on as any game animal I've ever hunted. Those things, when they're hunted, you know, highly pressured, which like the deer I'm hunting, probably the deer you're hunting, even on private places, like if you don't have this, you know, like you say, the TV shows, they just show a different aspect. They show the very best of the private land, the very best ranches that are managed for those deer. And the same thing out west, like not that I have anything against hunting private at all, but, you know, hunting a private land lease on a ranch you know, that's set up for hunting and you don't have any competition and the outfitters done all the scat. It's just a different game than putting in all the time and effort, all the research yourself to learn a public ground spot to beat, you know, beat other hunters or at least, uh, you know, be able to deal with the hunting pressure, get back away from them or find your little niche. So it's really challenging. But yeah, same thing with whitetails. It is not a given when they walk by your tree. Those things are on edge. They're looking up in the tree. They pick up movement really well. So you may sit day after day after day after day and your target buck finally comes walking by and there's too many does around and one of the does catches you or the buck sometimes they just move through those openings and don't even give you a shot you know especially during the rut so man i was humbled hunting them uh i i definitely have a new respect for them yeah and and but in like two things like super fast like like you were saying with the with the leases out there or the or the ranches and stuff like um there was a celebrity hunt, let's just call it that, uh, on a ranch out there. And, and they said online, like I looked up their, their service or whatever, but it was 80 bulls to a hundred cow ratio out there. And I'm like, that doesn't even like, that's, you know what I mean? <laughs> like that doesn't even exist for buck to doe ratio. And like in Iowa, which is probably one of the heaviest managed whitetail states in the nation. You know what I mean? Like to get to that level, like, you know what I mean? Like your success rate should be a hundred percent in that, in that, in on that ranch you know what i mean like if you had that here you would have like it would be awesome number one but you know what i mean like but that's also like we were talking earlier 
they're showing that aspect of it. And and on the other hand, you have like Lee and Tiffany Lukoski with the, with the TV show, and I think they kind of like blew up whitetail hunting in Iowa, you know, to the point. But but even Lee, like I think the one season he hunted like I, I don't want to get this wrong, and I I probably should have looked it up ahead of times, but I think he was hunting a specific buck. And he spent 57 days in the tree stand before he killed that deer. You know what I mean? Like that is morning and night hunts, you know, like, and you know how boring it is when the deer aren't moving. Like you, you're just basically sitting in the tree like a squirrel and they're like, this is the boringest shit I've ever done in my life. You know, cause you're confined to that, what, two foot by three foot platform you can sit on or stand on, you know? And so, um, like a lot, like you said, like we were talking, like a lot of it is just what is what this a lot of the stuff that's getting put on tv now with whitetails and i'm sure it's happening just as much out there now because western hunting's kind of blown up in the last what like five or six years or or maybe 10 it could be longer but it seems like there's more and more western hunting um you know you, it for especially in our like my area where you're hearing about it a lot more Absolutely. you know and um but like like we were talking about like a lot of those people that are producing that they're they're on ranches or on leases with outfitters that are managing for that. And, and like, I'm taking nothing away from managers. Like I get like, get, that's kind of what we do here. You know, only it's, you're controlling that gigantic swath of land. Like if you have 1500 acres in Iowa to manage deer, you're going to shoot huge deer every year. Like just because you're going to have all those age classes where most people can get access to maybe 200 acres that, that they alone can hunt, but you're going to have tree stands all the way around that from other hunters you know what I mean? So like you said, you don't want to chase them off. You don't want to spook them. It has to be as low impact as possible because if you do bump that deer, he's more than likely never coming back. And number two, more than likely your neighbor is going to shoot him. You know what I mean? So it's like that delicate balance of how much pressure do you want to put on them? And like you said, they're, they're looking in the trees. Anything little is off. They catch you move your head. You're done. You know, or you have that one doe that's lived too long. And she just was walking through the timber looking at looking for tree stands. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and I'm sure, and don't be wrong, Western hunting has 100% its own challenges. And I know, like, I'm like, I'm not. We're not comparing it like a lot of people want to do. You know what I mean? It's just a different skill yep. set, and and um, you know, there will be guys that go out there for their first time and shoot a big, a big six by six, the same as there are people here in their first year of bow hunting that'll shoot a 180 inch deer. It happens. You know what I mean? But it's just to consistently kill big animals on, on small chunks, of, you know, small chunks in the Midwest or, or, you know, public or even the, you know, the less desired zones out there. Like you have to develop a skill set that, that you created over time. Like you said, paying your dues, you know, that's exactly right. Yeah. It's, and I, and I don't like to put it down. Like I, you know, if I have opportunity to the best property to go hunt elk, I'm probably going to take it. You know, I've just right, never right. been offered. I just, my, my checkbook doesn't cover those checks. And so I'm stuck just putting in all the, the work, uh, gas money and scouting and learning public ground and paying my dues, but it's not apples to apples. And I, I remember this year, like I've, you know, I've had this opportunity to film the last handful of years and man, it's taken, it's taken years and hunts to get comfortable with the camera and really to portray myself in the hunt the way I want to portray it. Like I always think I go on the coolest adventures and then I saw the first film come out and it's kind of like, well, I did, but I just didn't film very cool shots. So it didn't come together very good, you know, but, but now I'm really proud of the product. But I remember this year I was hunting elk on public ground in Montana 
and and then I'm hunting with a cameraman, and success rates run around five percent for a bull elk, you know, in Montana with your bow and arrow. And then you throw a cameraman behind you, and then you're trying to kill a mature six point, you know, like the odds are astronomical. And I'm going around there, and I hunted for seven or eight days. I didn't think it was going to come together. It was epic hunting, but I just could not catch a break. Um, but I remember thinking out there like. Nobody's doing this. Nobody's filming public ground bulls like this. Like this is too tough. Like I, I see why they have to go to the ranch and they have to get more experience because they'd never make a video, you know. And I, I was lucky enough to arrow a bull and it all worked out. I try not to get too negative, and I, and I definitely try not to, to put anybody else down because if I had that opportunity, I'd be hunting that same ground. But there, there's definitely more hunting skill that goes in to the small tracks of, of ground hunting big whitetails. And to the public ground of the West, you know, hunting bulls. And so, you know, when you harvest a good bull or a good whitetail buck, I think it's okay to be proud of that accomplishment for sure. Right. And like our first day out there, we were, I'm going to say this, and it's probably 100% accurate. We were stumbling through the woods. You know what I mean? Like we had an idea where we want to go. Like the first day out there, um, we just stumbled on um, this bull. And and I, I couldn't tell you how big he was, like probably a three by three or four by four, whatever. I don't even know what was legal in the area. I, like I said, I was just tagging along for the experience, but, and he was at 40 yards and like, we didn't get a shot. And then the second day, the second morning we called in a cow and we were shooting anything. Like we're not picky. We're like, we're large men that like to eat. You know what I mean? And, uh, and she came in, but she was just on the wrong side. You know, like, like you said, with the, with the, um, with the whitetails, just because they're in range doesn't mean you're going to get a shot, you know? And so we're like, man, this isn't even hard. You know what I mean? And then we spent the rest of the time, hearing one one or two bugles and not seeing any elk, you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, okay, maybe we were way off, you know? And that's probably the best thing that happened because if we would have got, if we would have shot that bull and got him the first day, the first morning that we hunted, like you wouldn't even imagine how cocky I would have been online. You know what I mean? Like, because that was my experience, you know, like, but um, but, it, that, but that made it even better too, you know? Like we were both like, man. And then like, it was, and it was, the all around experience was awesome. But like you said, like, it's just, it's hard to put in like it takes a special um, like, especially if you're filming to portray what the act, what it goes into the actual hunt. Cause like, like I said, we can research here. We can research Western hunting all, all we want. Well, run and gun. And, and you, you know, you um, everyone was saying, well, you, you know, bugle for, you know, and stay there for 30 minutes and then you go to the next spot and the next spot and like the dark timber, et cetera. And I'm like, we did that. We didn't hear shit. We didn't see anything. You know what I mean? Like we were way off. They're like, you gotta get high in the in the late morning, and then you gotta get alone at night and and be be there in the meadows. We're like, we can't even see the damn meadows. Like the trees are. You know what I mean? There's, everything's pine forest out here. You know what I mean? Like, um, so it's just like like you said, like portraying that aspect of it. You know, compared to those invite only ranches where they're they have their you know, backcountry setup where they're sitting around the campfire. What they don't show you is there's a, a road for an ATV, you know, a hundred yards behind that campfire. You know what I mean? Yep. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. Yeah. That's the truth of the matter. Um, but, but it's good. It's, um, it's good that there's opportunity for everybody out there. And like I say, if I had that opportunity to hunt that good ground, you know, I know I, I know I'd hunt it, you know, as long as it isn't high fence or isn't something I go against. But, you know, I really don't have fun with easy game. I like the challenge, too. And not to say that it wouldn't be challenging. You know, it's still wild animals. You know, they're just less pressured. But, like, I know 
in Hawaii, like Axis deer are really tough to kill. They're really switched on. They're really wired. They're really fun to hunt. But they also have goats there. And the the ranch I was I was hunting a private ranch. And the the ranch I was hunting, they wanted me to kill the goats because their population have to be controlled. They compete for the same choice grasses as the cattle do. And so the rancher for letting me on wanted me to kill goats. So the first one I killed, I I quartered up and took the back straps and I brought it back and. And my buddies that live there go, God, you're going to try to eat that? And I said, well, well, yeah, you know, I killed it. I'm going to eat it, you know. And and there hasn't been much that I can't stomach, but that goat was one of them. Those guys told me, uh, like, after I ate it that they watched a goat piss in his own mouth up there, that they're just a nasty yeah. creature. So, like, I kill these – so I'm supposed to kill these goats, and I've killed a couple of them, and they were fun. But, you know, they're not that smart. They're not that challenging. And then – I'm not using the meat, and so like I'll, I don't I don't want to hunt. I have no interest in hunting those things. It, it's just not my deal. And so anything that I find that isn't challenging, it's like uh, you know I wouldn't get hooked on it. I don't think I'd be a Western hunter if it wasn't so challenging. Or I don't think I'd like your guys's whitetail game unless it was so challenging. Like that's a a big part of the fun for me. I think. Right. Right. Yeah. One hundred percent. And that's like I think. Um. You know, especially the guys like here that put in the time, like it's always about you're either shooting, um, you know, you're, you're passing 150, 160 inch deer. So they, they're bigger for the next year, obviously, because you want to shoot the old animals. I mean, that's just basic conservation, you know, for, for a deer herd, you know, 101. But like you said, you, after a while, shooting does is fun, but it's not, you know what I mean? Like you'll eat the does and like make jerky and deer sticks and et cetera. You know what I mean? Like where I don't, we take all of our stuff to the, um, to the locker. So, um, I'm not a whole, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not buying any cookbooks myself, but, uh, but like you said, like after a while you're like, okay, well, like I'm going to shoot this animal and, and, and the dose here, I mean, some of them can be hard, but it doesn't, it's not a skill set. You know what I mean? Anybody can go out and shoot does, you know, nothing against shooting does people that just do it. Cause I'm sure we'll get some backlash on that, but it's like that challenge of like, are you willing to eat your tag to shoot a specific buck or, you know, specific age range where your chances are pretty low? You know what I mean? I think that's what everybody drives for, you know, and like maybe shooting the goats, it wasn't fun. You know, for like, for me, I may have looked at it as practice, you know what I mean? But I'm sure you've killed enough animals where you're like, okay, well, it's not hard to spot and stock these things because, and they smell probably terrible, I'm guessing. But, uh, you know, like, like you said, like after a while, it's like, okay, what's next in, and um, you know, what, what's the next adventure and what's the next way to push yourself, you know, as a, as a, as a man, number one. And then as a hunter too, you know, like after, you know, you probably just, I, I always see the goats in Texas. So that's all I'm, I know it wasn't high fence, but I'm, I don't want to give you shit about that, but I always see like the people, like there's a high fence thing in Missouri where they have like these goats that they have at the sale barn and people turn them loose and they go down there and shoot them and, and they'll post pictures of them. And I'm just like, you paid money to go shoot a goat. You know what I mean? Like, oh. like I, I could have went to the sale barn and got you that for a lot cheaper. You know what I mean? <laughs> my dad, my dad will let go of any of his goats for. I mean, you name the price, he'll, he'll. We can make it. We can make the pictures look real good, like it was an epic hunt. <laughs> it wasn't quite as easy as that, but you're right. <laughs> and in the thing you mentioned with the does. Isn't it crazy, like, um, not that white-tailed does aren't switched on or not that they're tough to kill, but there's a lot more of them and you get a lot more opportunity, but it's wild how shooting a doe or the excitement, the buck fever, the executing a shot, it's amazing how 
does tend to like once you've shot a couple, they start to become easy. You just don't get that same excitement or that same thrill. And I love to bow hunt everything and all, you know, and I've said it a lot on this podcast that hunting does, you know, like you say, that's great experience to build your hunting skill. But after a, a handful of them, it's like um, I just don't get as excited as I do with a big buck because a big buck is uh, you get less opportunities at them, and you have to work more days for it. When it finally comes together, it's a really high-pressure moment. But those does, like after you shoot a few, they're not such high-stress moments. All of a sudden, you know, those shots come really easy on them. But I, I just think that's wild how um, how buck fever works. Yeah, yeah, and it's – I think uh, – so the last buck I shot was just an eight-pointer, and he was like 160, and, and I'd seen him for a couple days, and it was a new farm that we got – permission to but but had never hunted it didn't know how they operated you know what i mean we were it was the first year we were just seeing movement and like it was one of those where i was lucky it happened fast because if i would have seen him coming you know what i mean like the, the ones that happen fast you don't have time for that to kick in before the shot but after the shot like i have to sit down because my knees are shaking so bad it's shaking the tree stand you know what i mean like and i'm sure it's just you know like i can't even imagine because like, i i listened to your i think it was you and dan talking about following the herds and getting within, you know, 50 yards of, you know, that was the outside cow and then seeing if the bull will come scent check or whatever. And I'm like, I can't even imagine how much the adrenaline gets going on that, you know, cause you're pinned down, you've been sitting there for a while and you followed them all the way, you know, to where they're betting, you know, and you've had to be stealthy the whole time. Like I can't even imagine the adrenaline that comes with that, you know, oh, and even, and it, even like, like you've seen it, like even just taking, um, you know, kids out or your buddies that have never hunted before and, and even them shooting their first animal that like their eyes are huge you know what i mean and like they almost can't even put i, I sound like it right now because i can't talk but uh but they almost like they can't even put into words what they're trying to say you know what i mean like they're just stuttering because they're so wound up and it's like that is the that is the that's what everyone's chasing you know what i mean like consistently that's and that's why you know i think we as hunters like i think people that don't hunt don't get it because of that aspect of it you know it is so thrilling and i've always said anybody out there you you let them come with me for a couple weeks there's no way they're not going to have fun doing it it is so thrilling and so challenging you just can't imagine just looking at animals and watching them it's not the same thing like there is something in our dna you know it 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 ties back to 200,000 years ago in our survival you know it it depended on us being good hunters it depended on us bringing meat back to the to the camp and so like i think those same feelings are ingrained in us and so that buck fever it, it's the most thrilling thing that I've ever done. I, I don't think – I don't get the same excitement going off a roller coaster. I don't get the – I've never jumped out of a plane, but I can just imagine. I just know hunting is my deal, and especially the bow hunting and the getting close. And, and I did get that same thrill from rifle hunting, but you just kind of graduate through it and kind of go, well, you know, now I can – it's kind of like the does. After you can shoot a buck and hold the crosshairs on them, you know, it got to – it's still challenging. Don't get me wrong, but for me, I just wanted more out of it. But uh, that thrilling excitement, that is why I love bow hunting, that that action. And that's what I always preach on the podcast. I, you know, I've killed some really nice animals, and I love big critters. But for me, the, the fun of hunting is getting into this unreal action that, that, that you work so hard for. And whether it's, you know, hunting mule deer in Wyoming or hunting elk here in Montana, you, know, you just work 
day after day. But when you finally get into this elk party and there's big six points and they're bugling around and you're running trying to cut them off and like you say, getting in close to the herd and letting the bull work around, like I feel like my heart's going to beat out of my chest. And I finish those days of hunting and man, I just truly feel alive. I'm like, man, that is what I am. I am. I'm. I was put on this earth to do. This is what I'm meant to be doing. And I'm just uh, so happy and fulfilled. And also, like, maybe you've heard me talk about it, but I think it makes me better. You know, it gives me perspective on other portions of my life. It gives me perspective, like, on my social media, you know, not being on my phone all the time and engaging with my girls, engaging with my family. You know, it, it puts in perspective, like, being a husband and what that means and, and how I can be better. You know, they all support me to go on all these adventures and are behind me 100%. Like, I got to I got to come home and do the dishes every once in a while, you know? Like I got to do right. my part too. So it gives me such great perspective in my life. And I, you know, I don't mean to get on this high pedestal and talk about what what hunting means to me, but it it is so tough to articulate, but it is so thrilling and so exciting. I I you know, and and a, that's why I, you know, a Westie like me from Montana and an East Coast guy like you can relate on a podcast cuz we get that whoa, same feeling. Well, Midwest Midwest, not East Coast. Okay. Oh, sorry about that. Midwest. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> no, we don't claim the East Coast. They, you, shoot, sorry. Not even to go on rant about that, but the stuff that they're trying to pass in like Virginia and Pennsylvania and Delaware right now, like outlines hunting the aspects of it is just crazy. So I, I just saw that on Sportsman's Alliance. What are they, uh, what are they trying to do? Um, I think um, one of the ones is – Oh, I'm, I took a screenshot of it. Let me see if I can pull it up without losing you. Hold so, on one second. So the East Coast is way different than the Midwest, right? Oh, yeah. And like, <laughs> luckily, look, we've been pretty good. We've been pretty lucky. But it was like um, big game hunting, um, guaranteed kills prohibited. Like uh, prohibits offering for sale, selling, and offering for purchase um, or charging a fee for killing a deer, bear, um, or wild turkey. So I'm assuming they're trying to go after outfitters. Um, and like, I'm sure some of it's high fence operations, you know what I mean? But it seems like they're trying to shut down that, like the outfitters in the, in the, you know, the ranches and stuff like that. And, and that's in Virginia. So that'll get crazy. Wow. I don't, and, and I don't know if that'll come at like, cause I know out there, maybe they have a lot more clubs, you know, where you buy in to hunt that piece of ground or, or, you know, maybe they're trying to out, I don't know if they're trying to outlaw, outlaw that too, but it's like, yeah, class one misdemeanor. Um, yeah, I just saw that today. Um, my buddy sent that to me. Oh, that's wild. I was, yeah, I had yeah. no idea. Um, do you think it's the um, because of the, the the populations that sit on the East Coast or the the people in general, or what do you what do you think go, is going on out there? Um, I I'm not super political, but I think a lot of it is is you have a lot of people that live in cities and that are just disconnected with you know like even in Iowa here you know like most of the people grew up on farms and then moved to the cities. You know what I mean? So you're used to that. Like we've been pretty lucky with like a deer management, like we have a great DNR, but also like a lot of people grew up on farms or around farms. So you know how life works. So you know what I mean? Like we're hog producers and cattle guys and, and corn and, you know, and so we have that agricultural background, but I think a lot of people are that have only been in the city or, or grew up in town are disconnected from that. So I wonder if that's part of it. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's weird to me how you see like even just hiking in general or everybody's running trails or you know that outdoor experience everybody's craving that but a lot of those people aren't um 
either a from small towns or b you know they don't live in the country you know what i mean like i would i have enough ground i would never go to a specific trail to hike you know what i mean like i would just go out and i'm i have you know bird dogs and always working with them or taking them on walks and stuff but it's like i think people are just so disconnected with with what's actually going on like in the hunting you know the hunting world because all they're seeing is the bad shit you know what i mean or or what you know they're like oh i can't believe this person go out and shoot a you know a doe you know and then on the same at the same token then you have the canned hunts the high fence hunts where they're just raised to get slaughtered and you know they're you know they're essentially they're no different than livestock you know what i mean Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That's a good working theory. Um, yeah, that's going to be the... Like I said, I don't know. I mean, Virginia, anything on the East Coast is... Who knows what's wrong with that? I know there's some good old boys. I met a guy from Pennsylvania, and he was the countryest person I've ever met in my life. And, uh, and so I, it gave me a little bit of hope for the East Coast. And I don't even think Pennsylvania's on the East Coast, but anything anything East of Illinois, I just consider the East Coast, so... Okay, gotcha. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I have a buddy uh, that has something against uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, he says he's had a bad experience with anybody from Pennsylvania. Uh, he runs an outfit, and then his and he says his guides do too. And so he's got this running joke about Pennsylvania, you know. And so he'll tell a story, and the the end punchline was his that he was from Pennsylvania he's or whatever. From Pennsylvania. But <laughs> I think I think there's good people from everywhere. But uh, yeah, yeah. And like I live right on Interstate 80 in Iowa, so you like if you're on the interstate, you're always seeing trucks, you know, especially in September or late August going west you know what i mean and like there's a lot of pennsylvania and ohio trucks headed there and i'm like i already know they're headed to the mountains you know what i mean so but then you see him you know at the gas station filling up or something you're like i don't know how that guy how good he's gonna be out there you know so i'm sure they get a few guys that didn't put in any work and just thought they'd show up and shoot an elk or a mule deer i guess i don't know what kind of outfit he runs but you know like yeah there's i mean and i think you get that anywhere you know what i mean like Guys that'll go to whitetail camps too, probably where they're literally dropping you off at the tree stand, but they're probably going to text you in about an hour and a half and be like, "Well, I'm not seeing anything." You know what I mean? Like that type of shit. Mm-hmm. So, well, I um, you know, like uh, switching gears, like talking about some of that industry again. Um, okay. I think it's. I, I think it's wild how also we're seeing um, some of these, um, you know, and, and there's a lot of gray areas. These hunting regs, boy, you have to read them cover to cover for every state, and they differ from state to state, and there's so many little permits you need and licenses you need. So, it you know, it is a full-time job to be on the up and up and always doing things the right way, and it's also tough, you know, I think guys get – tempted and in today's day and age with social media and big critters they see something on private and and not that not that that's a gray area by any means but i just think uh but some of these guys have blatantly broke the law and are still supported by companies and by friends and like i like to give a guy the benefit of the doubt but in some of these cases there's just no excuse for it so i i've seen you call some of that out on your page as well which i think is part of that policing or checks and balances right right and and like so there's like a well-known mule deer hunter got busted and now he's hunting in mexico because i think that's the biggest tell is like um and there's a few people that work for for companies um that only hunt overseas now, even though they're residents, you know, or, or, or citizens of the United States. And it's like, you know, you deep dive into that a little bit and you're like, Oh, well he, you know, got busted on private or he was not in the unit that he was supposed to be in. And, um, 
you know, it, it, but but e- people a either ignore it and and like for for some levels, you know, like you didn't buy you didn't buy the habitat stamp or you know something like that, and you got busted. <coughs> excuse me, hunting, but you hadn't killed anything. You just didn't have that stamp, so you got a, a citation for that. That's one thing. You know what I mean? Crossing a crossing a fence to go shoot an animal is a whole different monster. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like yep. And and I think everyone. Not everyone, not everyone, by any means. I think, like you said, we were talking about the outliers. You know what I mean? I think the general hunting community is a pretty good group. You know what I mean? Like, um, for the most part, I'd say it's a higher percentage of people that care about the animals. But there's some people that are only there, and it's either either a self-imposed pressure that they put on themselves, or it's an ego thing that no matter what, I'm going to shoot the biggest deer. Um, I have to get this buck. You know what I mean? And they're going to go wherever they have to go to get that animal. So they can post pictures online, you know, to up their street cred, if you will. And then at the same time, you have people that a uh, popular, uh, popular personality. I'm not even gonna say hunter because she's not a hunter, but a popular Instagram personality drives all the way to a different state for a, um, I don't even know what you guys call them, no limit tag or, or unlimited tag, and they're all, and they're sold out because she didn't do the research and buy it ahead of time, you know, cause I'm assuming she was holding out for someone to offer her a hunt. You know what I mean? But it was like, you drove all the way there only to find out that you didn't have a tag. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like that, that drives me nuts just as bad. But I mean, we had people on, on our ground trespassing. Like I have no time for trespassers. Like me neither. It's, you know, it's, I can understand if you're in the middle of nowhere in the mountains and you happen to get on it, maybe you step over your unit because you don't have cell phone reception or maybe you couldn't afford the upgraded GPS or that. I, and, and like I said, I don't even know how everything's marked out there. You know what I mean? Like public here is not pretty much non-existent. So it's all fenced. You know what I mean? Like, or it has, we have signs everywhere, but I didn't know it's not even possible out there. But if you're going into an area or a unit and that's where you can hunt, it's your job to know if you have the right tags for that unit and what the actual boundaries are. And, and if you're hunting on the boundaries and you're jumping back and forth, well, you're just like, kind of an asshole. You know what I mean? And like, maybe you shouldn't be, you're, maybe you're in this for the wrong reasons. You know what I mean? If you're only chasing giant deer and, and it's not about the hunt or your tag, it's just about getting that deer down. You know, you should not be celebrated in the industry. No. You know? Yeah, you're right. You're in it for the wrong reasons. And you're right. It's blatant. Like, I, okay, mistakes can be made in a gray area here or there. But for the most part, it's our responsibility to know our unit, know our tag, know private and public, know the rules around. And, you know, there's sometimes where, um, you know, you can't cross corner to corner or, you know, there's a small quarter land strip. But I haven't stepped foot on private land ever without permission you know it's like mm-hmm. uh you just like especially when you're in the industry you get looked at with a microscope so i've been on the other end of things where um where i have really crossed my t's and dotted my i's since the time i started and i knew it but as you start to have a little success you start to get a little jealousy and i know that's what guys accuse you of i'm i'm not accusing you but like guys around town all of a sudden you kill a big bull every year and and all of a sudden they want to blame it on you cheated and so you've cheated on everyone to make themselves feel better so 
I've had talk go around the bar where, you know, I've had the game warden show up at my house and check my meat from the elk that I killed two days ago. I've had Idaho Fish and Game. They've showed up at my house with a regional officer and another officer because uh, in the editing and one of the Eastman's videos, I shot this really nice buck in Idaho with a fixed blade. But I had filmed this thing with this hybrid expandable, and it was mm-hmm. just the editing. They edited it in that Idaho episode instead of in the Montana episode, even though I was in my garage. And so everybody in Idaho was up in arms. And so then, you know, the wardens are showing up at my house at like six o'clock at night. They drove from Idaho to come see me, you know, and open a whole investigation. Of course, I have, you know, pictures and videos of shooting it with the right broadhead. But, you know, I've been on the other other end of things where I've had, you know, people looking into me uh, and, and turn me in for things that I haven't done. So a lot of times I like to give guys the benefit of the doubt. But you're right. In all these cases that you stated specifically, they were blatantly wrong. Those guys mm-hmm. are in it for the wrong reasons and they're cheating and they're stealing from all of us. You know, they're stealing from all our public lands. And you're right there. So many people are just into the post. And it's incredible how many people are caught by social media, you know, that that nearly every one of them, they just have to post about it, have to tell about it. Those guys are all in it for the wrong reasons. They're not in it for the adventure or the experience or the thrill of the hunt. They're in it to kill a big buck and post a picture of it. You know, man, that's just, that's not who we want representing the hunting community. So, you know, I think in a lot of ways you're doing a service for the hunting community. Right. And, and, um, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to give credit to who, who put this on a t-shirt, but it's something that I saw a lot on the page to begin with. It was, a lot of people would be like, oh, must, you know, and, and I hate to say this because I know who has it on a T-shirt and he's such a douchebag, but um, he's got a shirt that says must be nice when people always say that. You know what I mean? Like even here, if you repeatedly shoot big deer, people are going to, like you said, it's like a jealousy thing. Like they're going to talk shit, you know, like, well, must be nice to have that ground or must be nice to have private or maybe they don't own anything and they constantly are on your boundary, you know, like. You know, or that private landowner's an asshole because he won't let anybody in there. It's like you don't know what he's doing on that property, or you don't know, like they don't know the time you put it in scouting those animals. You know what I mean? Like they're probably at the bar drinking, talking shit, where they could be going out, you know, finding, finding, you know, the sign and doing their preseason scouting to be successful. Or like here, they're not planning, you know, like everyone is like, oh, you hunt over food plots. I can tell you right now, I'm trying to think of any of the deer that I've shot over food plots. For the most part, like it's not like TV where they're all piling out in the one food plot. Maybe late season that'll happen more than more often than not, just because they need to feed. But it'd be just like late season out there where they come down off the mountain and hunt in that specific meadow. You know what I mean? Or or you're just gonna set up over that with a gun. You know what I mean? And and but they're moving through. You know, like a lot of the deer here now are nocturnal, and so you're only gonna catch them in the timber or you know during the rut. But like you said, like it's that attitude of that's where you see the jealousy more than anything is like, Oh, must be nice to, you know, go on those hunts and stuff. And it's like, I'm not defending the guy that said, put on a t-shirt because I know how he hunts now compared to how he got his name. And so it's like, okay, well like you're taking advantage of the system. But like you said, that jealousy, like, Oh, well he, he has all this ground. It's like, well, he also has spent years understanding the specific animal and doing everything he can on his property to make it better so he can consistently harvest those deer. You know what I mean? That's and, exactly right. Yeah. And and so I try to not like – I'll bust some people if all they ever do is hunt on hunt outfits. You know what I mean? Or like the 
the chicks that only go on group hunts for waterfowl. You know what I mean? Like, like, let's be honest. A lot of those young duck guides will sleep with anything they possibly can. And they'll give you a free hunt if it's a possibility. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so we may have to edit that out later. I don't know. But, uh, but, uh, you know what I mean? Like there's a difference between showing up at, a, at that guy. It's like, all you have to do is show up and bring your gun and buy the tag. You know what I mean? And you're just sitting in the blind and everyone else is calling the ducks or doing the decoy spreads, et cetera. And I'm not a waterfowl guy at all. I I duck hunt twice a year and it's fun, but it's not my, like, it's not where my head's at, you know? But like, if they say it must be nice on that stuff, it's like, well, that doesn't really affect, you know, affect me. It's more of the, like my, like, and it's not even a jealousy, but if you, like I can respect the guy that's putting in the hours and it's like, Oh, I'm a little jealous of the Bucky shot. Cause that's the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life, but not in a way that like I'm jealous of like, you does that make, I, I'm trying to word it. So it doesn't yeah. sound like, that's a, like, that's yeah. a good way to be comparisons, the thief of all happiness. And if mm-hmm. you spend all your time worrying about what everybody else is doing and the bucks and shooting them down, just like you just stated, you're not putting in your time for yourself to be successful, putting in your own scouting or trying to secure your own land or find your own place. So, so you're right. Like, uh, I, I think people get pretty caught up into it and, and, you know, like me, I've never had a big game violation or anything, but I really have to watch myself because, you know, eyes are on me and, and not so much anymore. Like I have tons and tons of support and not much negativity, so I really can't complain. But, um, yeah, it's it's just, uh, you know, there was a, a, a day and time when I was younger when it used to upset me to see a big buck or a big bull where I was jealous and, and almost jealous of my buddies or jealous – uh, of, of of acquaintances and there was a flaw in my thinking it, it wasn't the right way to think i wasn't getting anywhere i was too worried about what everybody else was doing but when i started to just be happy for people and their achievements and just like you stated there's going to be somebody in iowa that kills 180 inch deer this year and it's their first year hunting same thing with bulls like there's a there's an amount of luck that's involved too but usually anybody I see, I just figure they put in the hard work or they got their lucky break. They earned it. I'm going to be happy for them. You know, I'll get mine too, you know, but, uh, uh that, that comparison or that jealousy, uh, it is, is not the right way to think about it. Right. Right. Exactly. And like you, you've seen the comments on the page Me like the, the most popular narrative is like, Oh, you're just jealous of them or, or they shot you down for a date or some like some of that trivial high school bull, you know, that crap. Then I'm like, I don't even operate like that. You know what I mean? Like, um, and so it's like, it's funny to me, but it's like, it's so common in just hunting circles in general. You know what I mean? Where everyone's like, you know, they'll talk shit about a guy that consistently, and, and my thing with the, with, and just to, you know, kind of bookend the, um, the tags and stuff. Like I essentially, if you're in the industry, it's your job to know those regulations. You know what I mean? Like you're, like you said, you're under the spotlight. That's like a professional athlete and, and not to get people's because people are going to get cocky about that, but like a professional athlete, it's their job to know the rules and what they can and can't do. Like, Oh, Hey, we can't gamble. You yep, know what I mean? Right. Like stuff yep. like that. Yep. And it's in, in anything, in any, per, any profession you have rules and, and you're going to be held to a higher standard than everyone else because that's your job. You know what I mean? Like you're getting paid, you know, or not necessarily paid to shoot big deer every time, but you're getting paid for that content. And so it's your job to know that, you know what I mean? So like, there's a difference, like we were talking about between a a minor violation. Okay. Well I didn't have the right tag or, Hey, I was 50 miles into private property or 
in a unit that I wasn't supposed to be because oh, you can tell when you're 50, you know, or, or hunting a national park. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yep. if that, it's if that blatant. influencer, yeah, if he would have gotten busted in the States, he would have gotten hung. But because he's not from here, um, oh, well, it's, it's black and white and we're going to go on not your podcast. I noticed. Thank you. Appreciate that. But, uh, we're going to go on our podcast and defend this guy because he's a nice person. Well, everybody's nice when they want something from you. You know what I mean? Like, uh, except for me probably, but, but you know what I mean? Like, um, like it was so funny when all that stuff went down with that. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure the people listening will figure it out, but it was like all that stuff. I mean, we're talking multiple charges pushed off the dates. Like they had him in a national park, you know, and people are still defending that. I'm like, I can like, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make a drink. Like that's not an isolated incident. I'm assuming he wasn't the only person involved in that, but maybe he took the rap for it. Maybe that's why people were publicly defending him. I don't know. But it's like one of those deals where it's like there's right and wrong. And and I've been younger and I've done some dumb shit in my youth and I'm not perfect by any means, but you know what? I learned from it. And I, you know, at, at some point in life, you have to want to be a better person, you know, and a better hunter and, and crossing boundaries and that shit is like you're doing it just a disservice to yourself and and hunting in general if you're doing that because no matter what it's going to look bad you know like even if it's you know even there's there's nothing about it that's going to look good coming that other than you got a few more likes and guess what a year and a half later they found out about it you know what i mean and now you're busted and you just made your name worthless you know it's so true. I never laughed so hard as your post that had that truck in it that says, go where you don't belong. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. yes. And he was in the whole, in the whole hunting season on, his, on that tour, the whole hunting season, he was in that truck. And it was like they were pushing eat what you kill. And it was like they shot like, oh, I don't even know how many animals. I'm like, you can't even ship that meat back home. You know what I mean? Like, you're not eating what you kill. You know what I mean? You can't eat a buffalo, you know, it, just in a month. I mean, I, I'm i a large man. You know what I mean? I'm, I got that Midwest size and appetite. So it's like, I'm not 308 by now, if in case there's any ladies listening. I'm a little bit skinnier. But, Good work. Uh, yeah. So I'll tell you a funny story about that after this. But, uh, um, but you know what I mean? And the whole time, and that was public knowledge that they had charges pressed against him. And they still, all those companies were pushing him and pushing him. And I was like, and I got heated on that one. And I probably beat a dead horse with that. But yeah, 100%. Yeah, go where you don't belong. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Like, oh, in realistically, we're so lucky the media did not pick up on that. You know what I mean? Like, because that would have been awful. Oh, you're right. Yeah, but, that, um, that would have been. But my fat kid story is we're in Wyoming. And um, I think it was like the second to last day. And we were crossing this creek, and I was on a brush pile, and I jumped down in the creek, and I landed on a rock, and it rolled my ankle. And my buddy's like, hey, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, I'll walk it off, you know. Like, um, So we got – we ended up walking a little bit farther, and, and I took my boot off. He wasn't close to me. I took my boot off, and, it, and my ankle hurt. But I was like, this isn't my hunt. I'm not going to ruin it for him, you know. And uh, and so I wrapped it. I think um, – oh, shoot. What's that tape that uh, Snyder always pushes? I can't – Luca tape or Luco tape or something? Okay. So I wrapped it in that, and to, I'm like, because I know I have to keep it compressed, or I'm, I won't have a chance. I tied my boot real tight, and I think we walked, I think 11 more miles on it that day. We had just started hunting when it happened, and we were covering ground 
and we get back to the truck and I uh, take all that stuff off and, and my ankle just ballooned immediately. And I literally said to him, like, as we were sitting there, I'm like, only fat kids roll their ankles. You know what I mean? You don't see skinny people with ankle braces on. You only see fat kids with them on. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, okay, maybe it's time to cut back a little bit. And I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't, I'm tall and I'm, I'm built to carry weight. You know what I mean? Like I have shoulders and I have an ass. You know what I mean? It's not like it's all gut or anything, but it was like, I'm a little too heavy right now. Maybe it's time to cut down about 20, 30 pounds. So we're down about 20 right now and we got some goals before summer just so I can look good on the beach. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's my, that's my fat kid story. I was uh, like, I'm too heavy to be walking around the mountain. <laughs> well, good on you. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Six, six, you carry a big frame everywhere you go. I always wonder, uh, that's why all us Westies are small so we can sneak up on stuff. <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. how you would do it at your size, but the you just gotta be a little power. bit stealthier. Yeah. Move a little slower and, and uh, yeah, it's a, being this big and then having ADD, that patience game is a whole is a whole different monster, especially moving slow. But um, but yeah, it was just <laughs> it was just funny because I was like, dude, I not, we probably need to get that on a T-shirt too. That says, you know, only fat kids roll their ankles. So um, <laughs> that is another no, that good was, one. Yeah, I was like, oh, my buddy was big too that I was with, so it was it was hilarious because we were we would go in and eat and people would just stare at us like, who are these giants? You know? <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't that bad. We ran into some real cowboys out there, though. Those Wyoming cowboys are the real deal. They are the real deal, that. aren't they? Yeah, they're yeah, not pretending. Like, no, no, and like they're not these Iowa guys that wear cowboy hats and belt buckles that didn't win. You know what I mean? Like, if they have a belt buckle out there, and they all got the the oh, I don't even know what the name, but they're all wearing the Wranglers, and I'm like, you guys are going out hunting, and you're riding your horses in Wranglers, and you got boots, and they got the handkerchief tied around their neck. I was like, these are these are real cowboys right now. These aren't. <laughs> These aren't these bullshit Iowa guys that just have some cows and don't ride horses. <laughs> yeah, I think you get that right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Mike, dude, it's been really good to talk to you. Like, uh, uh, we did, we hardly got in an argument, and we're dang near besties after the podcast, dude. That's amazing. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's good to know there's good people still in Montana. I mean, I've been hearing, you know, about how it's getting taken over by California, so it's good to know there's still a good a couple good fighters in there. <laughs> yeah, likewise. Uh, good to know there's good people in Iowa, too. Uh, no, I really like your thought process. I think you're in it for the right reasons, and um, I, I, I like the way you think about hunting and can relate to you. So, man, I just really enjoyed the conversation. I know. And my only knock against you is you wear that ugly camo, but it's like, you know, nobody's perfect, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> right. We can't all be perfect. Um, right. right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it. So... Uh, well, right on, man. Uh, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Uh, hang on here after the podcast, and um, I'll, I'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll stop this thing now and, and uh, disconnect. But, yeah, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. Make sure you follow uh, Make Hunting Great Again. It's a great page. Thanks, Brian. I, and I appreciate you having me on, too, to kind of shed some light on, you know, I'm not the – well, I'm still a monster, but not as bad as, you know. I think it's, it gives a little more context to the post when I can actually talk like this, yeah. you know, as opposed to – just what they see online too. So half human, it. half human, half monster. Yep, exactly. I'll take that. <laughs> that's a win. Okay. All right. Thanks again. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Uh, fun podcast, fun conversation with Mike. Um, I really enjoyed getting to know him. Uh, kind of the man behind the page. So um, 
yeah, I don't agree with all his antics, and I know Eastman's doesn't agree with all his antics or his approach to things, uh, but I do find his page hilarious, and I, I love that term, Westy is so funny. Some of the stuff he comes up with is just hilarious. So uh, thanks a bunch to Mike for taking the time and putting himself out there. Like, it it has to seem like a... a you know, almost like you're being set up when you when a West Coast podcast or a Western hunting podcast invites him to being on. But uh, yeah, I just um, thanks to him for taking the time and being on and being honest and authentic and um, let you guys uh, I'll let you guys um, make your own decision or decide for yourself what you think. But uh, yeah, thanks to Mike and um, thanks to Swagger Bipods um, for for sponsoring the podcast, always standing behind the podcast and, and then just building great products. So I was able to give that that swagger shooting sticks to, to Mike. Um, he's a rifle hunter, and he can make some good use out of them. Uh, they just build such great products from their bipod to their shooting sticks. And being an accurate rifle shot is all about the rest. Um, so make sure to check out Swagger if you're in the market for a new bipod or shooting sticks. And with that, yep, going to head over to the the Western Hunting Expo. Just finished up um, that Arizona hunt down there. Man, I had a great time. Uh, went down with my buddy Dan. I, I really wanted Dan to, to fill out down there. This is his second trip down there with me. And so um, we worked hard. We got into some desert muleys. I started figuring that out. I just, I was hunting like too thick of these flats too thick a terrain just filled with cactus and things you just couldn't see once you got down in there so i'd find these vantage points and we started finding some muley bucks but you just get down in the desert and just get lost down in there so i i need to i need to just keep learning it keep learning new country find a little bit more open terrain or foothills that holds those mule deer Uh, and then i couldn't help myself we were down for coups and we got a bunch of good plays um like I said, I really wanted Dan to fill out. We gave him, I gave him the majority of plays starting out there, and then I was just looking for a really good coos. I've harvested a couple of them, so I really wanted, you know, 100 inch or plus, and and I got my plays too. Dan ended up missing one. Uh, he got a good 50 yard shot on a buck, and um, I don't know what happened on the shot, but um, fell a little bit short. But he got a bunch of plays, close encounters. He drew on another buck like three times. Um, so yeah, we just had a riot down there. I got five stocks of my own on big next level bucks. Just a lot of them were low percentage and uh, either the bucks, you know, would be gone by the time I got there or, you know, tucked into the thicks. But um, we gave it hell down there. Sure had a lot of fun. That sure improves my skill set as a hunter. I really enjoy it. Um, Yeah, I just, um, I didn't punch my tag, didn't come back with a deer, but um Man, just sure am fortunate to have the time to go explore different places like that and just keep further my learning curve as far as hunting desert muleys, you know, getting into that a little bit and then um, hunting those coups and trying to hunt efficiently and effectively and trying to arrow one of those things in a short amount of time. But I sure did have a blast. I'm sure I'll be back next year. Um, and I'll I'll cover it. I'll get Dan on a podcast. Maybe I'll give him a shout here in the next couple days and uh, we'll get on a podcast and kind of record our our uh, trials and tribulations and the hunt while it's still fresh in our heads. And also what we learned, it just makes me so good at glassing and the approach and uh, the game of spot and stock. So really had a good time down there. Uh, make sure to check out everything Eastman's check out that beyond the grid internet TV show. Check us out on the outdoor channel Eastman's hunting TV. 
the magazines. Um, you can check out both the Eastman's Hunting Journal and Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. And uh, we're running that pro. I, I'm going to get you guys a new promo, but I believe this old promo still works. So if you punch in Elevated 319 when you uh, subscribe to the magazine through, um, you can go to our website, Eastman's. Oh, jeez. Gosh, I put myself on the spot. But uh, Eastman's, just search Eastman's, and it'll come up one of the first ones. But then punch that code, Elevated319, and you'll get both magazines for $29.99, an entire year subscription. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, I think that's about all I got. Yeah, really looking forward to the expo there. Get over there and just hang out with those guys and have some good laughs and record some good podcasts and just keep working away here. Uh, we're into application season, and so um, it's got good miles going on right now, shooting a bunch of arrows, just trying to up my skill level for this 2020 uh, to be the best season I've ever had. So I'm sure you guys are doing the same. Keep working hard towards your goals, um, and yeah, I'll check in with you next week.